So sometimes what happens when uh, you spend a week working on a sermon, you know, you, be, you start out with a passage, you read it on Monday, and it's just kind of on your mind all week. You're just kind of, kind of chewing over it, trying to figure it out, researching it, and, and just uh, kind, trying to figure out what it's saying to us this week. And usually um, you're, you're trying to figure out what is the thing that God is speaking to us that, that, that the people sitting in the pews need to hear in this passage? But some weeks you come to the end of it and you realize that the message God is speaking through this passage is the one the pastor needs to hear. It's the one that your own soul needs to hear. And, and that's, that's what happened to me this week. Um, I, I started out working on a sermon for you all and wound up uh, uh, finding a sermon for me, <laughs> one that I needed to hear this week. And so uh, we're continuing our um, look at the biblical kings. Um, we are looking at um, 1 Samuel 8, 4 through 21, and then I'm going to skip to 11:15. And uh, to sort of, uh, sort of set the stage, uh, we met Samuel last week. He was called by God uh, when he was 12 years old. Uh, now we're uh, revisiting the story towards the end of his life. He has been um, the last great judge of Israel. Um, someone that God raised up to rule them in a time of crisis and, and to give them guidance. And now as uh, Samuel is, uh, is advancing in age... They're asking the question, who is going to rule us next? And that's where we find the elders of Israel at the beginning of this passage. Hear now the word of our Lord. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king, as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them what the king who will reign over them will do. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will do. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your men servants and maid servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourself will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen and the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. 
No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with the king to lead us and go out before us and fight our battles. When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord. The Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. And then skipping to 1115. So all the people went to Gilgal and confirmed Saul as king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord. And Saul and the Israelites held a great celebration. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of his Holy Spirit. Amen. So a pastor was meeting with his elders board. Now some denominations have, have that board of elders. And so this pastor is meeting with his elders board and he is convinced that there is a change that needs to be made in the church. And he is convinced that this change has come directly to him from God. And so he just gives his most eloquent, uh, uh, strongest argument. He backs it up with scripture, uh, it, with theological heft. He quotes all the great uh, saints and theologians. And, uh, and, and when he's done, uh, he, he feels satisfied that he has made the best possible case he can make for this change that needs to be made in the church. Well, there are 10 elders on this board, and they decide to put it to a vote. And uh, it's 10 to 1, uh, 10 elders against the one pastor, and they say, uh, majority rules, we are not convinced uh, your proposal has been rejected. 10 to 1. Well, um, the pastor is just so convinced that it is God that has put this on his heart. That, that he takes the elders elders board outside of the church and he says if I am right may this tree out here uproot itself and walk across the yard and plant itself on the other side of the yard and no sooner has he said that than the tree begins to uproot itself and then it's just like like on tentacles with its roots it just crawls across the yard and plants itself on the other side of the yard the elders are amazed they huddle together they, they, they discuss what has just happened, and they come back with their answer. It's still 10 to 1 majority rules. And they, then, the, then the pastor really still thinks he can get them, so, so he takes them to a stream, and he says, if I'm right, if this is the choice our, our, our church needs to make, will this stream please reverse and start flowing the other direction? Well, no sooner does he say that than the stream actually reverses and starts flowing the other direction. So the elders board huggles again together uh, for a lengthy time, and then they come back with their answer. Uh, it, it's still 10 to 1. Um, your uh, proposal has been rejected. Well, finally, um, just this last Hail Mary pass, the pastor, uh, pastor um, just uh, he puffs out his chest, and he says, if I am right, may God Almighty himself say so. Well, the clouds part. There's a shaft of light. Everyone can hear choral music. And then God's voice is deep and booming. And he says, the pastor is right. Accept his proposal. 
So the elders Borg huggles again. And then they come back. Okay, pastor, 10 to 2, majority rules. <laughs> the elders don't always get it right, do they? We uh, join the elders of Israel this morning in our passage. And they realize a change has to be made. They realize that a tough decision has to be made. See, we're coming to the end of this period in Israel's history called the period of the judges. And during the period of the judges, um, the Hebrew people are living sort of crisis to crisis. Uh, During peacetime, during times of plenty, uh, they just live as their own 12 tribes. And everyone does what's right in their own eyes, and, and they just sort of uh, have, have, have these, this loose confederation of tribes, and everyone governs themselves. But when they have a common threat, they have to come together, and they have to be, be more than they are on their own. And, and during those times, God raises up a judge, a leaguer, some, someone who, who's, who's going to uh, go before them in battle. And, uh, and, 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 then, uh, and then that leader raises up an army, and God gives them what they need to overcome the crisis. This goes on for about 300 years, and the elders are tired of living crisis to crisis. They want some security. They want some assurances. And so they say, you know, we really ought to have a plan of succession. We really ought to know who's in charge. We should choose a king. And then we'll always know who's in charge. And that king can have a standing army. And so there'll be none of this, uh, we have to wait for the Holy Spirit to just just show up, you know, in the middle of our crisis and raise an army. We'll, We'll have an army around the clock when we need it. Because they're looking around at their neighbors and and this tribe thing is becoming a thing of the past. Tribes are forming together and they're forming nations and they have kings and they have standing armies and, and, and they're looking down the barrel of this thing and they're saying, if we don't get with the program... We're going, to be other, we're going to be overtaken by these other nations. They realize a change has to be made. And so the elders decide they're the ones to make it. So they go to Ramah. Ramah is where Samuel lives. It's where he has his judgment seat. And so the elders approach Samuel at his judgment seat and they ask for a king. And Samuel warns them, if you do this king thing, there's no backing out of it. Once you have a king, it's hard to get rid of a king, right? You're going to, you're going to have this king, and then when you cry out for help, when you, when you decide you don't want a king anymore, there you're going to be. There's going to be no relief from that. He's going to tax you into oblivion. He, he's going, to, he's going to, to force you to, uh, to, to build his palaces and build his temple. He, he's, he's, he's going to, to force your sons to, to go to war, whether you want to go to war or not. I mean, if you do this thing, you need to count the cost. And they say, no, give us a king. 
See, they've got good reasons. They all make sense on paper. But the thing behind it, really, when they get down to it, it's all about fear. They're afraid. They're afraid that even though God has, 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 has come through for them, every time they've been at a crisis point before, maybe next time he doesn't. And maybe we should have a plan. Maybe next time he doesn't show up. Maybe next time he doesn't raise a judge. Maybe next time he, he doesn't pull an army together. And there will be. We need to have a plan. It's out of fear. They say, we want, we want a king who will go before us in battle. Well, you know what? They do have a king. And he does go before them in battle. We talked about this a little last week. They've got this, 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 this chest called the Ark of the Covenant. And there where the, uh, where, where the wings of the cherubim meet, that's the mercy seat. And that's where God is supposed to sit. And they serve an invisible God. And so that chest goes before them in faith. That, that even though they can't see their king sitting on, their, on, on that throne, that he's there. That he's going before them in battle. And I think the elders of Israel are tired of looking at an empty chair. I think the elders of Israel are tired of this life of faith and, 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 and they're tired of, of, of just hoping and praying that he materializes and, and does what he says he's going to do. And so they say, we want security. We want a plan. Aren't we the elders of Israel? Don't we sometimes worry that God's not going to come through for us? Don't we sometimes look at that empty chair ahead of us and, and wonder, is he, is he really going to come through for us this time? Or do we need to come up with our own plan? Or, or, or do we need to, to come up with our own way of feeling secure? And so like the elders of Israel before us, we choose, we choose our security over God's sovereignty. We would rather be in charge than have to wonder if God is going to show up when we need him the most. Like I said, I'm preaching out my way out of a box this morning. Right? Um, uh, for, for those of you that don't know, I've been a youth pastor for the last 14 years of my life. And I felt a call to ministry um, uh, uh, a year and a half ago. And it wasn't long after that that uh, uh, they, uh, they threw me in the deep end to pull with you people. <laughs> and it's been great. But I, I just, I, I, I spent this past year holding on to one branch and, and holding on to the other branch. And I came to the realization that if I'm going to take this seriously, I have to let go. Well, last, uh, last, last week, um, I, you know, we said our goodbyes. Uh, they had, had a dinner for us over at, over at the other church, and everyone stood up, and they said, said nice things about me. And then I was just sort of started to break into a cold sweat. 
And I started to say, gosh, they're right. I am a great youth pastor, right? Am I doing the right thing? And crystalled my witness. I couldn't sleep that night. I was so upset. We, you know, we had this check we had gotten used to, and and we were just kind of doing all of the, uh, you know, uh, how we're going to pay the bills in September kind of thing. And 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 I was having this. Am I making a mistake? I was staring at an empty chair, and wondering, is he going to materialize when I need him to? Is he going to come through? I need him to. I'm ashamed to tell you. There was a time last week when I was siding with the elders of Israel. And I think all of us here have at one time or another. I think all of us have been the elders of Israel. Fast forward a thousand years. The elders of Israel are having another meeting. It's all in the 19th chapter of John. And, um, and they're having this other meeting. Um, it's like a place called uh, Golgotha, the, the stone pavement. It's another judge's seat. But this time the judge is a man named Pontius Pilate. And uh, they brought to Pontius Pilate this man uh, who they deemed to be a troublemaker, this man Jesus. And they're saying, will you crucify this man for us? We don't have the authority to do it. We want you to do it for us. And Pilate, we're told, doesn't want to do it. And Pilate, we're told, is, is just trying to kind of find a way out of it. He has him flogged and beaten and humiliated. Maybe that will be enough. No, they say, crucify him. And so he offers them, uh, he, he offers to, uh, them a, a poisoned choice. Uh, how, about, how about this uh, rebel you hate named Barabbas? Should I free him or should I free Jesus? Still they say crucify him. And so in the Gospel of John, it comes down to this crucial moment there at the elders meeting before the judge's seat. And Pilate looks at them point blank and says, Shall I crucify your king? And they say, We have no king but Caesar. They forgot someone, didn't they? The guy that's supposed to be sitting on that seat back behind the Holy of Holies, right? We have no king but Caesar, they say. They choose that earthly king, that, that security, that thing they can see over God's sovereignty in their life. They, they, choose, they choose the king that is enslaving them over, over, over this king that has come to make them free. And you and I, we can say, oh, those Jewish people, they never learn, do they? Oh, if only they all become Christians like us, right? As if we are not the elders of Israel. As if we do not ourselves choose the, the king that enslaves us, the, the, the king that, 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 that oppresses us over the one who will set us free. As if we do not choose 
our security over God's sovereignty. But hear the good news. Even as we stood there and rejected Jesus, he never rejected us. He never rejected us. The good news always is that God is not like us. That is always the good news, that God is not like us. If I were Jesus, if I had all this divinity and I was like part of the Godhead, you know what I'd say? I'd say, forget you all. I'm leaving. Jesus out. Right? And I'd, uh, I'd send down some angels and, uh, and maybe some, some hellfire and brimstone and, and burn the judge's seat to the ground. Right? That's what I'd do. Not what Jesus does. When we're rejecting him, he's opening his arms wide and he's accepting us. He's dying for our sin so that we can be free and we can live. That is good news. Because the elders of Israel can be the redeemed of Israel. And so we are called in response to that to live courageously. To, to live as if God is going before us in battle and trust that he is. That, that when we reach the crisis point, we believe that God can make a way out of no way. That God can part the sea this time because he's done it before. That God can make a way this time because he's done it before. That God will raise up what we need this time because he has done it before. We're, we're called to have courage when we face our crisis in life. We are called to have faith and trust that the one who has always provided for us will be faithful to provide yet again. That's how we live in response to, to, to Jesus' sovereign love. It's sovereign not because we chose it, but because it chose us. It's sovereign not because we, we accepted it, but because it accepted us even while we were rejecting it. In Bible study, we uh, read the book of Romans. And one of the things we discovered when we read the book of Romans together is the eighth chapter is really the climax, right? Everything before that eighth chapter kind of leads up to it, and then everything after the eighth chapter it kind, of, kind of pours out from it, right? And um, it's kind of a trudge, right? It kind of felt like an uphill climb to get to that eighth chapter, but boy, once we were there, the view, um, Harold shared with us that he likes to keep that eighth chapter of Romans um, marking his Bible by his bed for when he needs it. You know, I, I, I think I'm going to start doing the same for, for when, when I, I wake up with a cold sweat in the middle of the night and wonder if God's going to show up in his chair before me. Right? When, when I start to have those crisis moments, I need to be able to, to pull out what shall we say then in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
shall trouble or hardship or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's it. That's the view. If you read that eighth chapter of Romans, that, that reminds you who goes before you in battle. And that reminds you that the battle has already been won in your life. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. <laughs> Preaching my guts out here. <laughs> Trying to impress the lifelong preachers over here. You've got to give me an amen. Maybe a thousand years from now, we don't know there's going to be another gathering of the elders of Israel. You can read about it in the book of Revelation. This time it will be before the judge's seat in heaven. Uh, the Bible's a little cagey on, on, on what the guy that sits on that judge's seat looks like. We're told there's like, like a, a rainbow that's like an emerald and amethyst and, and all these things that, that are impossible to describe. But, but we know that the judge is going to be sitting in that judge's seat. And he's going to call all the elders together. They're going to have these gold crowns and they're going to have these white robes. The elders of Israel. And this time, third time's a charm. They're going to do the right thing. They're going to take those crowns. And there, before the judge's seat, where the four living creatures are circling and are calling out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who is and was and is to come. Right? They're going to take those golden crowns and they're going to throw them down before the throne and they're going to bow. Right? And John looks at one of the angels Later in the book of Revelation, he sees the people in the white robes and he says, Who are these people? Explain this to me. And he says, These are the ones who have come through the great tribulation, whose robes have been washed clean in the blood of the Lamb. This last meeting of the elders, the ones who are going to be there are the ones who stuck with Jesus when it was hard who stuck with Jesus through those crises when they weren't sure if he was going to materialize before them, right? But, but they went into battle with him anyway. Those are going to be the elders of Israel that stand before the throne. Could be tomorrow, could be Another 3,000 years. We don't know. But we're gathered here this morning at another judge's seat because when we rejected God, He accepted us. He gave us His body and He gave us His blood. And we can accept his sovereignty 
in our lives this morning. But we have to do it with empty hands. Which means we have to let go of our crowns. In the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.